Hey, good morning. Good to see you all. Good to have you here. Welcome to those of you who are also uh, worshiping from home or from wherever you are. It's just good for us to be together. Uh, allow me to say a, a brief word uh, about this. Kind of we get into habits, right? There's nothing more powerful in a human life than habit. It's just a true statement. I, uh, we don't have to argue that. It's just a true statement. So sometimes we can also get in the habit of, 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 you know, finding new habits. And so that has happened a lot over COVID. And so now we're in the habit of not being here on Sunday morning. We have found another way of worshiping. We may be sitting at home. And if that's uh, your, your situation that, that the only thing that holds you back from being here is habit, we want to invite you to come back. It's so good to be here. And there's something special when the spirit moves. It moves in the space, right? And we sense that. And, and the Spirit is doing great things. And we're so grateful for his work among us. So, so I just want to bring that as an invitation in a special way. I also feel like we can't be together on a day like this without praying, especially for Ukraine. It's, it's, it's beyond what we have words to express what we see on the news, right? And, and we have the blessing uh, that we are able also to follow different kinds of uh, European news channels and see some of that and take that straight in. And, and uh, <clears throat> it is just beyond devastation. And I, I implore you to pray diligently and all the time for the people there, for God to bring his peace for God to do his work where well, we can see only God could do this. And for those by the thousands that are helping also on the borders, I, there, there are, are some, you know, churches around are doing an amazing job. We have good friends in Poland and, the, and Romania and these areas around there, Moldova, that, that are, is so involved in so many places. Uh, moms are bringing little strollers to put at the border on the other side, right, where where moms that are fleeing uh, with nothing but their little kids to have something to put them in. There are, are people, just private citizens like you and me, who are driving thousands of miles, whether from Germany or Denmark or, or Holland and uh, other places far away from, to the border, just saying, here I am, I, I have a house. We got roof over our head. We got m- enough food to feed all the, as many we can put in our car. Let's just go home and you can stay with us till things again are safe, right? Just private individuals saying this needs to stop and we need to be there with the hands and feet that God has given us. And so if you want to support also some of that, uh, there's enormous need, <clears throat> as you can imagine, also in the churches in these other areas. <clears throat> the Texas Baptists uh, have, have, are doing a great job, a great group of Baptist men right now in in uh, in Poland, helping out is tbmtx.org. Tbmtx.org. Uh, uh, nobody asked me to do this, so so uh, don't take this as a. I just want to help us think about these things, right? And and support the way we can through channels that we trust and that we know. Father, would you? put as a special burden on this great people of yours right here first baptist louisville everyone who's listening also 
to come before your throne, not just flippantly and superficially, but imploring you to do your work in, in a way that can only be counted as God's own hand in the midst of it. We ask for peace. We ask for strength from those who are so persecuted and so in such dire straits and difficult situations. Families that are being torn apart and split just for some of them to survive. Those who are risking their lives to stand up for what is right. Father, we, we come to you because we know nothing that can do what we know only you can do. We know no one with the power to change hearts, to stop hands, to stop mouths from giving commands that comes like they come straight from the mouth of the evil one. We ask, Father, that your spirit will prevail in ways that we don't even know how to utter. And so we trust what was also mentioned before, that you intercede for us even with words that we don't understand. Father, call us as your witnesses, both in the way we pray, the way we speak about the power of the gospel, and the way we live out our commitment to you. All of that we ask in your powerful name, your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I don't know how to do a bridge from that to a sermon, but here we are. I want to talk to you a little bit about homes. We're in this series where we we call for life. And so playing a little bit on that word, uh, that sentence, uh, that phrase, for the sake of life or for the duration of life, or even uh, with the the idea of that which brings life. And today I want to talk to you about a home for life, a home that generates life, if you will. Um, You know, it's intriguing. Uh, Most of you are aware of, and you're not willing to admit probably that you enjoy some of these home remodeling shows. Okay, I, uh, you know. And it is amazing, right? So, so I live in Waco uh, daily, right? I teach at Baylor uh, when I'm not here. And so uh, that whole town was revitalized by a home Remodeling show, right? And I just heard not too long ago the same is happening to a town in Mississippi called Laurel, a small, small town where one of my, my friends from seminary kind of grew up. So here's my question to you. When you see the transforming power a bucket of white paint and a new kitchen sink can make to a city, <laughs> how much more? Can a true remodeling of a Christian home not mean for a city? Yes? That's real power uh, when you start thinking about this. Uh, and I want you to kind of turn to Acts chapter 18, and I'll get there in just a moment, right? Uh, there's hardly any kind of discussion of the fact that any great society is built on strong home units, right? Certainly, that is the Christian vision uh, for how, how that works. According to Scripture, marriage is 
constituted and instituted, for that matter, by God himself. And it is, in, in many ways, in God's uh, understanding and the way we see that in Scripture, the most Im- intimate and close relationship that can exist between two people. In the Christian marriage, it is God who joins man and woman, and the two shall be one. Now, that, of course, is not to say that those who are single or who are not married are are not kind of full human beings. Absolutely, they are. They, too, can have wonderful, strong, great Christian homes. Don't misunderstand that. We don't say that nearly enough in the church. In fact, the New Testament highlights that and says there are some people for whom this is just the best. It's the right and the best that they should stay unmarried or single for their life. We don't say that nearly enough. But when that is said, and it should be said, but when that is said, it is hard to exaggerate the importance of a Christian marriage. In fact, when you look at Scripture in the Old Testament, you will see that the whole kind of imagery of God's relationship with his people is somewhat wrapped in that understanding. When, when, for example, Hosea, but you can see that several places, when God uh, gets uh, dissatisfied or have displeasure with the lack of faithfulness from his people toward him, the lack of commitment, it is described uh, in the marriage metaphor. Uh, as if one of the two committed adultery and therefore destroyed the relationship between the two. In the New Testament, we know that, that uh, the church is the bride, Christ is the groom. Yes, we see that so uh, very clearly throughout the thing. And so the intimate a relationship that should exist between Christ and his church or between the individual Christian and the Holy Spirit is best described by giving the image of a warm, well-functioning, loving home. If you've found Acts 18 by now, I want to continue this uh, series about for life talking about a home for life. And I want to focus in on two people whose home was extraordinary. I like a kind of a study of Priscilla and Aquila. So I'm going to read different texts from that. And we're going to come back to that as we talk through these texts. Verse 1, chapter 18, the book of Acts. After this, he left Athens and went to Corinth, where he did Paul talking to him, where he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them, and since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. We go to verse 24. And things are going on still. And then so now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, an eloquent man who was competent in the use of scripture, arrived in Ephesus. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus, although he only knew John's baptism. 
He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And after Priscilla and Aquila had heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. Now, if you go to Romans chapter 16, and, and you, you don't need to find that, just, just listen up here. But verse 3, now Paul is ending this letter to the Romans. And he said, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life. Not only do I thank them, but so do all the Gentile churches. Greet also the church that meets in their home. And then when Paul ends his first letter to the Corinthians, he ends somewhat the same way. He says, the churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla send you greetings warmly in the Lord along with the church that meets in their home. Priscilla and Aquila. Together, they represent a home in the early Christian church. And they stand as an example of how a home can be, quote, remodeled in the image of Christ in the strongest way and how great an effect such has on the church and on the surroundings where they live. We meet this, this couple, if you will, uh, about six times in God's description of the early church. They're normally, a few exceptions, they're normally called Priscilla and Aquila. And when that's the case, that Priscilla is mentioned first, that is, the woman is mentioned first, that's very special. Now, now we would, of course, not pay attention to that because it's part of our culture that we, just out of courtesy, will do that, right? So, woman first, as we say, or women first, as, as we say. But in the ancient world, that was highly, highly unusual. Normally, that meant one or two things, or maybe even both at the same time. It meant that the, the woman, that is here, Priscilla, came from a, a very powerful, well-to-do family that was well-known in the area. And that in itself, friends, I don't know if you ever think about this. This may be one of these professor kind of things right? that, that you notice here with this. But that in itself was an expression for the transforming power that the gospel can have on human lives. Outside of these Christian circles, that didn't happen much, but inside, it did happen. In fact, all the social distinguishing that happens outside the church must stop at the church door. Yes? Not only is that what we hear uh, from Paul again and again, but that is like a, a foundational thought throughout the New Testament, throughout Scripture, really, that with God, there is no consideration of people like that. No distinction between Jew and Gentile, or, or for that matter, rich and poor, or as they say, slave and free. That stops right there. And so we have testimonies from the Christian church where that happens, that these barriers and these kind of divisions that we have outside of the church do not exist inside the people who belong to God. 
The powerful stuff there, even small little references in Luke 8, for example, to Joanna, uh, that well-known woman who was a philanthropist and, and well-to-do. She had married one of Herod's slaves, a house manager for Herod. You, you see these things going on. This is the transforming power of the gospel. Now, <laughs> there might be another thing, and that, that's probably... Uh, likely also here why Priscilla was mentioned first is it's very likely that that she was the outgoing of the two people right so I'm gonna talk to the men here for a moment so all you women you can just put your I'll tell you when you can take your fingers out your ears again right I'm just gonna talk to them and since it's just us no they're not listening in I'm gonna put it to you straight wake up guys you can't let the women do it all. You have to wake up. It can't, it must also be you who are leading out in prayer, who are calling for missions, who are there when, when events are happening and if someone needs to serve, we got to be there in our home when we call our family together also for worship together and for prayer time together to raise our kids in the, in the spirit of the Lord. Please hear that. Right? They, 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 I, I don't mean to kind of do a whole lot with that. Just, just to say that we need to kind of wake up when it comes to this. This world needs Christian men who stands up and who says, I want to be first when they call for prayer meeting. I want to be first also when it's, it's about showing how you walk with God. How spirituality is not just, you know, that I can come and do some practical stuff. Let's listen to what's happening right here. All right, that was a side, side remark, right? So, women, you can listen in again now, right? There's actually nothing really in the scripture that hints that Aquila uh, was not a mature, spiritually awake, uh, devoted Christian man. In fact, he might even be an example of that. But it is so wonderful here when I talk about the home that, that these things are, are, are they're always mentioned together. Priscilla and Aquila, they, they come together. You don't see them much separated. It's, that's the home we're talking about. Most likely, they came to faith uh, in Rome through the witness of the Roman church. And, and that's uh, kind of uh, how they came to do that. And then as we heard earlier, as we read, in 49, the Roman emperor Claudius uh, said to all the Jews that they had to leave Rome. No, no Jews could stay in Rome. And so they did. They left and they settled in another great city in the empire in Corinth. And that's where they meet up with Paul. And since they had the same occupation and the same faith, uh, they joined hands in that, in that work and in that ministry. This is where Paul uh, meets with them. And you see that they were together during the day working their, their leather trade. They were both doing leather work in all kinds of ways and maybe especially tents, uh, as we see here. Uh, and then at night... They are together in the vision and in the mission of God. That happened in the weekend. That happened at night. How do we get to this? And we see as they do this, you see also a strong church is growing and, and, and coming uh, into being in the city of Corinth. 
Now, after they've been in Corinth for a little bit, uh, they moved, they moved on. After they started a business also in Corinth, they, they moved to Ephesus, as we see. We don't know why they did that. It, it could be that Paul simply told them about this great opportunity. Ephesus was one of the great, great cities of the ancient world. And Paul said to them, why, why don't you just come with us? We'll go together. You can start a new business in Ephesus and we can still do what we have done. Uh, in terms of the gospel in the evenings and, and at, in the weekends and so on. And so, I need to ask you before I go on, can you get inspired by a couple like that? Is it still possible to listen and look at a home like that and get in, inspired even in 2022? Can we? Yeah. Look at this powerful couple. I hear two people for whom their faith in Jesus Christ had decisive transforming realities in their lives and in their everyday. They were normal people. They took care of their jobs. In fact, studies in, in the business life in the ancient world or the antique world, if you will, suggest that it's very possible that when they left Rome after Claudius' edict, they, they just kept their business and they had someone else manage it. And when they left their, their business in Corinth, and again, they left it to someone else to manage and they were now taking care of their business in, in Ephesus. In other words, they were international business people. They knew what it meant to be busy. They knew what it meant to have a home that was all the time engaged in so many things at work and, and all, but there was never, ever any kind of wavering about what came first, what the most important thing was. Business, of course, was important. They had to do their work. But when it came to who had the first place, who held what was most important, it was always God's kingdom. No wavering. No wavering. Can you get inspired? By that, I get inspired out of my socks, actually. I, I see some of these things and, and just notice this home. Paul describes even their unselfish lifestyle when he says that we just read that they gave everything. They risked their neck, to use this translation, for our sake and for others. And then notice. Notice the importance and the impact a home like that had on the church and the faith of the people in that area. You know, I, I haven't shared much of, of our own calling to this, but um, I sensed a call uh, early on in, in my life, and we kept pushing it aside. Uh, but it was enough where we decided, at least a lot and I, when, when we got engaged, that, that we wanted our home to ha- make a difference for Christ. And so we sat down in these months before the marriage and talked, what do we want our home to radiate? 
And I was speaking about that even at, at, at the wedding banquet, which includes a speech, which is a dumb thing. Don't ever get into that, right? But that's what they do in Europe. As a groom, I've made me scared to death, right? But that's what we were concerned. What would people conclude when they looked at our home? What would be the words, the descriptive adjectives, if you will, that came to mind if they looked at, at our marriage and our home and, and, and the radiation that kind of came from that of, of, of faith? Would they conclude this was an open home that, that they decided to, to be about Christ? And this was all before I sense a call to full-time ministry. We just want to be active lay people. I was in engineering uh, school working on a master's in engineering at the time. You look at Aquila and Priscilla here. We have a few pictures that give us insight into their lives. So the first one is it's the one that we just read about there in, in chapter 18, verse 24. There's a young man coming to Corinth, right? And so his name is Apollos. He was very eloquent. He was probably schooled by, by some of these professional speakers, right? As a sophist maybe or something like that. And he, he knew scriptures well. So... It even says about him that he was strong in that. And yet, when they listened to him, they heard that there was something that he had not grasped right, that there were some key elements in, in the gospel that he had, had not gotten right. So what they do, they call him home. They spend time with him. They educate him. They teach him. They're trying to instruct him in the ways of God. They were so engaged in their own study of Scripture and their own walk with God that they had great concern that others would get this also, right? And their understanding and their growth in God's Word was there. Can I put it differently? They used their homes as a kingdom place. They used their time as kingdom workers. See, that's a remodeled Christian home, if you will, that makes a real difference and that can set a city aflame in the best way of that term. So I have to ask you, as I'm looking at myself all the time, so don't tell me, don't think that I'm just preaching at you in any kind of way. This is for us here, right? How long has it been since we, in our home, has thought of it as a kingdom place and invited younger Christians in to not hang out and watch a game, but to talk to them about the Word of God and to help them grow in their understanding of who God is. Think about this. No, no church, of course, is stronger than the home that it consists of. If you were asked to say, what, what describes a strong Christian home, what, what would you put there? If someone was asked to give a description of what they saw when they saw your home, what would they do? Can that inspire you to look at Priscilla and Aquila? People that got involved in the spiritual growth 
and the biblical understanding of those who were younger than they were in the faith. Look at this. Priscilla and Aquila. Regular folks. Just a regular home. But a home that has something to give. Not only were they active in the evangelization where they tried to spread the good word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the transforming power of God's presence in people's lives. But when they saw other Christians that, that needed spiritual guidance, that, that, that they thought this person or these people can grow in their walk with God and come to experience a greater presence of God's spirit, their hearts were burned and said, we need to be part of that. They wanted to see those around them as growing, power-filled, eager Christians. I hope your heart is burning when you see this. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, as we read also the next picture we get of Priscilla and Aquila. It follows right in the heels of that. Again, it says about them that they had gathered the church in their house, in their home. And that is the case wherever they go, whether they're in Rome or Corinth or or Ephesus for, for that matter. A part of the church gathered in their home. And Paul sends greetings to those who are gathered there. The doors were wide open. God has given me this situation. I can use what he's given me in this way. Here was a couple whose heart were beating for the gospel and for the change that that could make in great metropolitan cities like Rome and Corinth and Ephesus. You know, when it says about Ephesus, I just thought about this right now. When it says about Ephesus, Paul stayed there until every household had heard. That's a powerful statement also on the hearts that were beating. Maybe not only in Priscilla and Aquila's hearts and, and in their home, but the homes that were inspired by them. You know, we get busy. I know that. Lord knows that. I, if anyone gets busy, I get busy. But sometimes we have to stop and ask, what is the business about? What is it that we do that can be more important than this? When we sit at home and watch an extra show or watch an extra movie or do an extra thing, we well, nothing wrong with that. I don't want to mishear me with that. But are there times when we think, could I have spent those hours in a clear way? For the sake of the gospel. And there was an old hymn. You know, some of you don't know it. I shouldn't know it, right? I grew up in a different place. So when when people say, well, we sing all these songs. We didn't know when we were child. I sing no songs I knew when I was a child. (laughs) Yes, just none. I learned them all, right? But there was an old hymn that says, God give us Christian homes. Homes where the pie Bible is loved and taught homes where the master's will is sought, right? Homes where the beauty of love is wrought. God give us Christian homes. Some of you know that, that song. Um, 
There's something going on here when you read about a couple like that. Just a home. Regular folks. Regular jobs. Regular business. But extraordinary commitment. Extraordinary vision. Extraordinary focus of that's what God has called us to do. And if you think that this is just, well, a nice story for how it was, we read all these fantastic stories about Bible characters. That's not what's going on here. Priscilla and Aquila, and Paul for that matter, has inspired thousands upon thousands of people, even today. They call themselves tent makers, kind of taking it out of this, right? People who see God has given us regular, secular jobs for us to, to have the means and, and, and have the wherewithal and the connections that allow us to reach for kingdom's sake. This is what we are about. The other things enable that. The other things help that. But the first priority is what God called us to do for his kingdom. A home for life. A home for the sake of life. A home that generates life. A home that exudes life. Because it's empowered by the Spirit of God. Is that not your home? Do you not want that to be? Could it be when you go home this afternoon that you either call a friend if you're single or sit with your kids if you have some or, or, or your mom and dad or spouse or the whole family? Can, get can God, can you do a work where that becomes always the first priority? I promise you, when that happens, not only will we be packed out here several times, but Louisville will know it until every home has heard and has responded. Yes? Father, would you do your work even in the midst of of this season, this early 2022? May this be the time. When you do a work in us and through us, like you had done so many times before, but we ask, would you do it again and do it even more visibly, strongly, and fervently than before? We want to stand right next to all the characters like Priscilla and Aquila and say, Lord, what you've given us, it's all for your service. Use us, because we certainly recognize that you are Lord, that we belong to you, and we have the privilege of calling you our Father, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer. Speak to us, Father, even to the individual and to whole homes, children, moms and dads, single individuals. Speak, O Lord, even now. Let's stand, friends, and if you need to come forward and pray and kneel uh, or talk to someone, there'll be someone here you can talk to also. If you want to join the church, this is a good time. We want to spend this time after a sermon always dealing with the Lord. The last thing we want to happen is that we just heard yet another word. I was here, and now I'm no longer. We want to be here. 
to meet with God.